0: Hey, I'm Steph. I'm a motivator, creator, small business owner, and educator. I am a lover of all things health, spirituality, inspiration, and business. These are just a few words to describe me, along with passion, grit, and resiliency. Regardless of what I'm up to, I am soul-driven to create a purpose-filled life and find the advantages in adversity, all while keeping a smile on my face.
1: Soul Driven with Steph is a podcast that will fill up your cup and leave you feeling empowered, inspired, and on fire as you listen to interviews and stories of other soul driven and strong women that have overcome against all odds. This podcast was a calling on Steph's soul to serve, connect, and share stories of struggles and successes, all to create a community so that you know you're never alone. Grab a cup of coffee, get ready to learn laugh, and leave with wisdom and strategies to connect to your soul and get back in the driver's seat of your life today. Here's Steph.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. Today, I am joined by a new friend that I'm so excited to dig into her story, her journey, and I think you are all going to enjoy it as well. Please welcome to the podcast, Megan Daly. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. This is, I'm so excited for this. Yeah. So we um, live in different states. So where are you from, Megan? I live in Phoenix or Scottsdale. Same,
1: same, basically. <laughs> but yeah, I'm in Arizona.
0: One of the places I I want to visit. I've never been, and it sounds amazing. (laughs) Uh, It is.
1: I came out here for grad school and never left. (laughs) Love it.
0: Yeah, I'm here from Wisconsin, which we are in our most beautiful season of fall right now, but we know winter is upon us, so that I am not excited about, but it's fun to chat with people (laughs) from different places, um, and I would love for you to just let us get to know you take us through your journey into entrepreneurship and kind of your origin story you know what led you to the physical therapy world to start
1: okay so hi everyone after my day, and i actually like to start with not like what i do but really who i am and that goes into, if anyone knows Enneagram or human design, I'm an Enneagram seven, which is the enthusiast, like the always on an adventure person, uh, which is very, very much me. And then I'm a manifester in human design. Um, so I am essentially like without going way into it, I'm like the visionary. I bring people together. I get ideas started, but I'm not always going to be the person implementing or doing the thing. So like being the, the worker bee, was never meant to be something for me. Um, and I kind of wish I'd realized that earlier on. Other things, I'm an avid snowboarder. I love being outside more than anything. Uh, I love my corgi more than anything. And yeah, I'm going to be married next year. So awesome. now a little bit of like how I got into physical therapy and then now the mindset space that I'm actually in now. I'm no longer a treating clinician which is so freeing and still super weird to say after doing that for a decade. Um, I got into physical therapy in the first place, honestly, from dealing with multiple of my own surgeries through childhood and then my parents were physicians. So I kind of grew up in the medical world. And, but when I was in college, I had no idea what I wanted. I was pre-med for a while, decided that wasn't for me. I didn't like the red tape and the direction that the medical system was going. So I actually got a degree in mathematics um, just honestly, because I loved math and that opened up a lot of potential. And then during college, I had yet another surgery and then had a couple friends go through surgeries. And as you can imagine, like broke college students, they, a few of them knew I had gone through similar rehabs. And so they kind of asked me to help them on their journey that put me on the path to PT. And I moved out here into Arizona to get my doctorate. And then I have been in the clinical world for the last decade as a doctor of physical therapy, specializing in mostly sports and orthopedics. I also got certain specialties in the oncology world as well, particularly after in 2017, I lost my father to lung cancer very suddenly. It went from normal, healthy, retired, was going to enjoy retirement to majorly in pain and found out he had lung cancer with, and he died five months later. Um, I was his caregiver. I actually left and moved back home to South Carolina during that time. And that just kind of opened up my world to both the oncology. Um, I know we're not going to focus on that today, but there, there's a lot in oncology rehab that cancer patients aren't told about because this rightfully so the oncologists are just worried about keeping them alive, not quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so I got really passionate about that. And at the same time, I got really passionate about mindset and living your life for yourself. Because if anyone, there's actually a study out there by a hospice nurse, I'm I'm blanking on the name of the group that headed up this research, but they basically came up with what are the five biggest regrets of the dying. And the number one is they all said, I wish I had lived life more for myself rather than expectations. Mm -hmm. And that, I didn't even know that research study until very recently, but that is like, the big why behind everything that I do now is so that myself and no one I come in contact with ends up with that regret. And even when I say contact, like all of the messaging that I put out, like anyone I can potentially reach, I want them to start living for themselves and find their own path and break free of the expectations of others. It's literally everything that my podcast is about, everything that my journal is about, everything that the one-on-one work that I do, the courses that I'm working on creating, everything is centered around helping you build better boundaries, break free of expectations, and live life for yourself. So that's kind of the crux of a long story short. Obviously, if anyone kind of put the timeline together, 2017 to now is quite a amount of time. And like I said, it is pretty recent, like a year, um, that I stopped being a treating clinician. And that's honestly great, right, because even if I had that big aha moment being my dad's caregiver, we can't just flip a switch on things like that. It took years to dissociate my titles from my identity to figure out, okay, if this isn't the thing, what is the thing? I, I spent how much money and how many years getting this degree and working on this career path and climbing the ladder and checking the boxes and to have it come in a way crashing down of like making that realization, hearing my dad say these things and then looking in the mirror myself and being like, okay, I've checked the boxes. Like, where's my reward of happiness? I'm not feeling it that this isn't, my path so I had to undo a lot unlearn a lot in order to rebuild and figure out really who am I and what do I want and then take steps to move towards it and I'm so grateful I mean I would give anything to have my dad back and his death gave me myself back
0: wow yeah that's so powerful and it is it's like the most awful situations to experience and go through but then you pull this positive thread out of it that just brings you back to life yourself. So what kind of yeah. happened once you had this realization um was this while you were still in um uh like a clinical setting or I know you had your own clinic at one point and then decided that wasn't for you. So will you take us through a little bit of that transition?
1: Yeah. So that's where I, like, I kind of laugh and joke that, yeah, no, it's not a flip of a switch. And in hindsight, like hindsight's 2020, right? There are a lot of signs that pointed me towards what I do now being my path. And right. Like I hadn't dissociated my identity from my titles, from the DPT, from being a clinician, right? Like how often do we get introduced to someone new and their follow-up question after your name is something other than, so what do you do? Yes, that is bound to like, you almost can't help, but have it be tied into your identity unless you've done some really major work to be able to answer that question and not feel it grab a hold. So I say all of that because I made the realization and thought the answer. I, I clearly, I knew I wasn't happy with healthcare, but specifically the corporate healthcare system is set up to put clinicians and practitioners into burnout. Mm. it really is it's why I didn't go to medical school I went the PT route because they had like it seemed better and then of course in the years it took me to finish that degree and get into the field insurance red tape is getting worse and worse and there are clinics out there that are doing it for quality care but they're far and few between so anyways I say all of that to reiterate the the reality of burnout and how much of a problem it is in multiple totally. areas of healthcare but PT is no exception mm-hmm. and in my head and in i mean this is countless right like i've i've done so many talks and content for clinicians on how going cash isn't the answer for everything mm-hmm. because we think that right we're like okay i got this degree this is the path Another acceptable path for me would be to open up a cash clinic. And then I don't have to deal with the red tape of insurance. I can treat how I want. I can create time freedom, yada, yada. So it seems to answer a lot of the problems. And for some, it is. It is their path. It is not mine. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have realized that I need more location freedom than that was ever going to allow me because it requires a brick and mortar. There are ways yeah. to do virtual but actually there's really good ways to do virtual yet there's still red tape around it. You can only practice in the the States. You have licenses. Like there's, there's a limit to how many people you can reach. There's a lot of different factors. And again, if it's the thing for you and I know people who have gone into these other arenas that I debated trying or did try like the cash clinic and they're incredibly happy because it's their path. Yep. For me, it was, this is amazing. It's like year one of opening up my own cash clinic, even though it was 2020, that part was fun. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even with that, it was, this is so much better than corporate healthcare that I was ecstatic. I was elated about the direction I was going. I was like, cool. Yes, this was the answer. I didn't fall into, I didn't waste my degree. And I'm putting big air quotations around that because I actually just did a podcast episode on the sunken cost fallacy. And it's this idea that if we've put a lot of time, energy, or money into something, then we might as well stick with it because otherwise that was a waste. And it's just not true. But mm-hmm. I was very much still in that mindset at the time. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I need to find something that doesn't waste the amount of time and money that I have spent on this career. So I open up this clinic, it's amazing. And then about the year and a half mark, I I am well on my way to hitting six figures that year. I did hit six figures that year and in year two. And I very quickly realized that the amount of energy that I had to put in working one-on-one with patients and being locked into one location did not work for me. I still was, it was again, the same situation, like same, same gift, different packaging of, Mm. okay, cool. I checked all the boxes. Like, where's my happiness reward? not here at all. And I have this deep pit in my stomach. Okay, cool. Now what? back to the drawing board. Mm. And yeah, it it basically was hitting me with a two by four of, I need to figure out really, like at that point I knew who I was, but I needed to figure out what I wanted. Yeah. So I'd already done part one of what I realized watching my dad, but I needed to realize the big part B and find my path. Cause I, I knew I wasn't on it.
0: Yeah, well, and you're at that point you're still trading dollars per hour and to scale yeah. it's like you put in more hours like it's really hard to to scale that and you I think said you had a team which I know it's it's another stress it's No, another, I didn't even have a team. You didn't have a team. Me. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, it was literally just me. I was a one-woman show I was doing all the back end, building the website, doing the admin, even more, emails, and seeing the patients. And and like, right, that's the other option that I could have gone with, that people who are meant to do that do go with is build a team, bring on clinicians underneath them. And I just knew in my gut that that wasn't the answer for me. And I was just going to feel more despair. And it took a lot, right? Because at that point, if I have my title so wrapped up in my identity, it was tough to even acknowledge and admit that to myself of, no, this isn't for me. And if that's not for me, then is this career path at all for me?
0: Right. Yes. So take us through then. So you have this realization with your clinic. What were the steps that you took then to get to where you are now as a mindset and success coach? So many. So step one was (laughs) step one was hire my own coach. Hmm. Right.
1: There is. I am a big believer. So at this point, I had done a little. I had started going into the personal development world. In fact, I did that right before my dad got sick. And I'm so grateful I did because otherwise I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, like my old patterns would have ended up me playing the martyr with him. So I'm so glad that I had started unraveling a lot of things. And so I say all that because by the time that this was happening, I knew that like, okay, everyone has blind spots at any given time. And there's no way I'm going to see them on my own. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I know that this isn't for me, but in order to find out what is for me, I need help and guidance because I'm too close to the source, the source being me to be able to see clearly. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're in a fog. Like I need someone who can see through everything to be a mirror for me. Um, And how I found my coach was really just kind of a, an aligned like as soon as I made that decision I randomly had a conversation with someone who was I was like acquaintance friends with um but I respected the hell out of and she I had no idea she was going through stuff either and she was like yeah I just had this coach and it was telling me all this stuff and I was like it was like this intuitive head of okay I'm gonna get on a call with that person and I would love to say that it was just that and that was the end of it mm-hmm. and like butterflies, rainbows, and like light shone down from the heaven and I had it figured out, but that's not the case. However, that was the beginning of being able to open up my eyes, see the patterns and then go down the rabbit hole of, you know, when you're on Instagram and you're looking at one person's profile and then somehow you end up down to like their brother's, girlfriend's coach's Mm -hmm. page. Mm Mm-hmm so that kind of stuff like once you get into once you start moving on the path that you're meant to go like the universe is i know this sounds woo woo as all hell but it's true the universe is going to start things <laughs> yeah the universe is going to start putting things in your path and on your way and you're going to start seeing things a lot so about the same time i started seeing certain books consistently pop up on my page like if you've read untamed that's one of them that i read during this time mm-hmm. And so all these different things and people and TED talks. And I just binged, right? Like I have a doctoral degree, lifelong learner, like that kind of mentality, my like go, 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 consume mentality, played in Mm -hmm. my favor in this case. And I gained a lot of tools, some with coaches, some doing my own research and going down rabbit holes and following the 10th time that I saw the same thing pop up on Instagram kind of stuff. Um, And so fast forward was that I, I hired Nikki in 2020. So actually even before I had that big realization of that six figure, like, Holy shit, this isn't for me. Um, I actually hired her before that on that intuitive hit, without really knowing. And then it was, end of 2021 i developed a course for clinicians that i do still have and that is one to help clinicians break up with burnout and find their dream career path not the cookie cutter one we are meant to believe we have and that was kind of like the gateway right so i've run a couple cohorts of that it's been amazing to watch those clinicians grow and i started having women reach out and be like hey i need this but i'm not a clinician and so that led me further and further down okay like let's, let's see what I can do. And along the same time I was diving even more into trauma and somatics became, um, went through a certification course for being a trauma and somatic informed provider and started diving into even more nervous system regulation. And then in the middle of this actually developed, um, and published my own self-discovery journal to help people do the same thing. So, this entire time, most of what I was hiring coaches for was like, Hey, I have all of these interests and I don't know how they fit nicely together. Like, I know there's a thing, I know there's a way, but like, I don't see the picture clearly yet. And it finally, oh gosh, when was it? I mean, not entirely important when on the timeline, but earlier, much earlier this year, after one of those cohorts and I had yet another person reaching out being Like, Hey, I I need the work you do. Do you have something on nervous system regulation? And I was like, yeah, well, it's in this course that I have for clinicians. And I started realizing everything about me. Um, it was actually, I did a human design one-on-one session an Enneagram one-on-one session and a few other things that were just really diving into like how I operate best. And it all of a sudden clicked. I couldn't even tell you which thing really helped. But it's like, I have all of these tools, all of these skills, and I am perfectly positioned to help people have like launch pads, meaning, so what I, the main thing that I offer now, which is still one-on-one group courses and um, self, mostly self-paced courses are coming down the pipeline. But the big thing that I do right now is one-on-one launch pad transformations. And that's a real fancy way and vague kind of way of saying, you come in, you recognize that like you need guidance with breaking through a block that you have and, or get gaining clarity on really what you want in life. Like something is blocking you and you recognize that you can't quite do it on your own. So I come in and in 180 minutes, we get you that 180 that you're looking for in life. And if for anyone listening, like, I already kind of mentioned my human design and how it's set up for me to be like the visionary. The other component is I have ADHD. My brain processes so freaking fast that mm-hmm. it allows me to do this in 180 minutes. And the other thing that kind of helped with this, and I I want to give this to anyone who's listening as kind of like a, a homework assignment. I love giving things that are tangible
0: to right. gain insight. Yes,
1: please. Podcast. And it is to reach out to the three people closest to you or that know you the most, know, you the, like three of your like inner circle people and ask them, Hey, what is in your perspective? What is my greatest strength? Like, what is the thing that if you came across a problem, you're like, Oh, I know exactly who I'm calling and it's going to be you. And I think that's so beautiful. One, like, talk about an energy booster and a, a feel good assignment. Like, the things that I got back were so genuine and so eye opening. And it was nothing that I would have come up on my own, right? Like, we're our own worst critic.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: And again, we're too close to the source. So, even if I had been able, like, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have been able to come up with anything positive for myself. Again, a lot of inner work, like, years ago. Don't know if I would have been able to come up with anything now I can, but what's great is being able to get outset outside set of eyes that can hone in on a little bit more directly. Right. And I'll just give you one of the examples that I got as like, I was like, holy shit, that is me. And I've never realized is one of my friends was like, you're the best resource dealer that I have ever met. And I was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And she messages back and she's like, you can take where I'm at now in any problem. It can be a greater life problem or something really small. And then you can see where I need or want to go, even if I can't quite yet. And then you can figure out what exactly it is. Like, what's the one thing that I need? What's the one resource, the one book, the one, like whatever it is, even if it's not you, like, you know, the answer to that. She's like, I don't know how you do it. I was like, that's a great question. I don't know how to do it either. But <laughs> anyways, and I say all this yeah. not to like toot my own horn, but to just give an example of how beautiful of a question and how an eye-opener, like that answer right there, was one of the biggest catalysts for what I do now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because without seeing that in myself, I don't know if I really would have gotten to exactly what I do now with these 180s.
0: Right, exactly. And like knowing your strengths is important so that you can lean into it even more. Yes. And you can use some of those words of how they describe you or your gifts to then cultivate or create what it is that you offer, how you describe yourself. I mean, what a great way to um, just get verbiage and words from other people that you maybe never would think of. So, you know, I'm constantly telling my small business owners that I work with to ask for feedback, this kind of similar thing, or, um, ask for people, you know, what, what is it that you need or what do you come to me for? And then use their own words to kind of create either that offering or in your own language or marketing, um, Because you're right. Yeah, that's a game changer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's such a game
1: changer. Like, yes, the exercise that I just said is a very much a personal one. But like if you if you're listening and you work with clients of any kind, like have a Google form survey that you can send them that asks questions like, hey, what's the one thing that I've done that helped you the most? Mm -hmm. And then Ah. literally that is like that is automatic market research for your messaging. That is automatic testimonials, everything like sure absolutely ask other questions for actual feedback so you can say like hey where can I do better, but word at least one of those questions of like hey what was the one thing that I did really well, or what's the one major thing that you really like what's the one big benefit that you got from this.
0: Right, yes. So, through your entire journey of kind of you know in college to where you're at now, what would you say has been your biggest challenge and how have you overcome that? Cool, okay. Uh, more
1: loaded than you probably meant for that to be, maybe.
0: Although, if you're asking, We're it, I'm here sure for you're it,
1: <laughs> of course. My- biggest struggle if i had to name like one thing is recovering my self-trust in fact i i literally have trust tattooed on my thumb now on the outside of my thumb so i can see it all the time and that really comes from i mean if anyone really wants to know my backstory you can go to my podcast find one of the early bonus episodes on like no one escapes childhood without trauma is the label of it And the short version is um, a decent amount of unintentional emotional neglect as a kid and paired with my ADHD being blamed for everything that I every mistake that I ever made and having really, really high achieving top tier doctor parents and the pressure that comes with that created the perfect storm of just absolute zero self-trust and horrible self-worth. And now I I was very successful up and even up until the time where I started to realize this and, and undo all the lessons and start to build myself back up because not surprising for anyone who can like resonate with any of that I very quickly through my whole life have been very achievement-based mm. so the more productive I am the better I did at things the better student I was I was quote-unquote worthy of love and acceptance then so I interestingly enough like I wasn't I was also weirdly kind of a rebel so I'm not saying I was the person who was like always in class yada yada like I actually had a competition with a buddy in college to see who could go to class the least and still pull off an A. Don't (laughs) recommend that, but it was hilarious at the time. But anyways, very high achieving and literally living in fight or flight response for 30 years Mm. um, until dad died, dealt with grief. And that just brought up everything. Like it slammed me to the ground so hard and took me, quite a while to work through therapy and even start to realize just how much I didn't value myself. And then the self-trust has been a long process. In fact, I actually just went through a six month spiritual mentorship with a dear friend of mine with the sole intention on building up my own self-trust so that I could then, Actually, make moves in anything that I was doing, right? I knew without that as a foundation, good luck on me doing anything well in business.
0: Yeah, because like I always say, you can't you can do all the outside things, right? Like the productivity, the reading, the business conferences, masterminds, all of those things. But if you're not actually working on yourself, like the inner work, you mm-hmm. might achieve a lot, but you're gonna feel empty when you even <laughs> achieve something. Um, and so trying to really get down like you've you've peeled back the layers, like you said, right? You know, like figuring out like first, who am I, right? Who am I outside of achieving and these identities that I've held and identities that I've worn, you know, for how many years, but then also figuring out, okay, now I know myself, but what do I actually want? And understanding that like, that's going to change all the time, like as we change and we evolve and we grow, what we want is going to change and evolve too. And I think sometimes that's even harder to let go of as an achiever, because I'm I'm an achiever as well. And it's like, you know, you hang on to some of these ideas and dreams and things feeling like that's who you were supposed to be or meant to be. And and that's mm-hmm. just maybe not your path. And you get, you know, you intuitively are led a different direction. Um, but if you don't trust yourself enough then you're not going to go down that path um, that your intuition is. Yeah. You're going to hold on to that as like, this is my worthiness. What do you
1: mean? This isn't for me versus trusting that like, Hey, I got myself. It's okay to let that go and move on. Right. And trusting that whatever it was like, again, going back to that sunken cost fallacy, like that isn't wasted time or energy, whatever lessons you learned, whatever growth you had during that time, will 100% serve you and make you better at whatever it is that's next for you.
0: Totally. But
1: the self-trust is the foundation. Like the visual that's coming to mind right now is I essentially had built up this 10 foot, well, not even 10 foot, like massive, like steel walled house on a very cracked, crumbling foundation. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had to tear it all down and then rebuild the foundation. If you don't have, if you haven't mastered your mindset, if you don't have the self-love, the self-trust, all that inner work whatever you were building is being now built on a cracked foundation. And would you want to live in that house?
0: No. Right. And it's so interesting because I've gone kind of relate in a lot of ways. I was in my career as a fitness and yoga studio owner and trainer for 10 plus years, the first decade of my adulthood. And within the last year, made a huge pivot into business and real estate. And it was just this huge identity crisis and totally the sunken cost fallacy of feeling like I wasted 10 years of my life in a career that didn't exactly give me (laughs) the rewards that I I had hoped for. Um, But it's taken a lot of inner work to realize that it wasn't for nothing. Like, I wouldn't have yeah. even been able to make that pivot if I didn't do the first business for 10 years. Um, and the yeah. people and the connections that you make in all of those phases lead to new things yeah. and captures, like just the circles and the connections um, that transfer into whatever you're doing was a really yeah. big eye opener. But I also feel like it's... Um, just like the letting go like that, I think has been one of the hardest pieces of letting go of like the identities, maybe the, the doors that got slammed shut, or maybe the relationships that didn't go the, like, whatever it is, how do you, or what has been your practice or how do you coach your clients through the process of letting go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I want to first start, because I feel like I use this quote so often when this comes up with clients, friends, literally anyone I'm talking to. So have you read Untamed? Uh, Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a quote from there. And obviously, like, she's talking about her divorce, but it applies to literally everything. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it is, liberation is never one-sided. That's not exactly the quote, but that's basically what it is. And it's the idea of like, so for her, it was liberating herself from her marriage. That wasn't what she wanted. Trusting that it is going to be the best thing for her ex, for her kids, for everyone involved. And that's exactly how it played out. Anyone who's read the book knows how that plays out. And they have such a beautiful relationship, both like her kids, her ex, her now wife like everyone and it applies to so much right so there is something to be said I always tie that quote into whenever I'm talking with a client about this because typically when we're kind of freaking out and not willing to let go it's because of a fear whether Mm -hmm. it's just simply fear of the unknown fear of retaliation fear of the expectations of others like it is going to be some kind of fear of like but what if and it's Generally, a fear around the worst case scenario. And so it's going back to this isn't going to be one sided. This is actually going to be the best thing for everyone. It's just really hard to see it when you're in it. You're yeah. not going to see it until it's hindsight. Totally. Like that's so. Okay. Like you are never, no one ever sees it until it is hindsight. And often I will have them list out various situations that they've been in the past right because we've all come across these multiple times throughout our lives so we Mm -hmm. all have past experiences of something that we thought was terrible in the moment and turned out to be the best thing for us and so being able to write those out and then that will often help of like oh okay it's very different but I've been in similar situations even if it's not as severe and I made it through it and here's proof that the universe has my back yeah the other like point that I'll bring in and talk about. And most, most people can, can get this right is if you're fully filled up, if you have all of these things, there's no room for anything else to come in. So the thing that you need to let go of is creating space for what's actually meant for you, whether that's a relationship, whether it's a career path, whether it's just one small opportunity, whether it's a friendship, like whatever it is, you cannot call in and bring in and attract the thing that's meant for you until you let that go. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I fully,
1: you're not going to see it. And that's the hardest part, but generally one of those of not having to use all three will give enough peace of mind to be like, okay, I I don't understand, but I don't need to understand
0: yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's trusting the unknown. And trusting yourself, mm-hmm. again, that's where that self-trust is so critical because, yeah, like a lot of times we are going off of past experiences. And if our past experience is not good, then it's like, you know, drawing on Um, that, that trust, self-trust in the moment that um, we're either going to figure it out or we surrender it to a higher power. That's why I'm like, whatever you believe, I think it's important to have some sort of belief system um, to help you through those, those challenging times. Um, Kind of flipping a little bit, but to that burnout piece, because I think Mm -hmm. that's so prominent, like you said, you know, it's not just in the hospital clinic setting, it's everywhere. I feel like, I am constantly like not only reassessing myself in my own life to make sure that I'm not on the edge of burnout because I've been there, done that, and I have a pretty good idea of when I'm close and I can pull myself back and fill up my cup, but I've, I'm I surrounded by so many, especially women lately that I feel are really struggling with this this burnout, like it's just um, like almost like a fatigue of just the the daily grind, you know, the daily hustle. So how do you kind of work with your clients as well to go from that burnout to confidence and clarity and kind of re-envisioning their life?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that I do is whether it's through the group course with the clinicians um, or the one-on-ones, it is Figuring out first and foremost what the pattern is that's behind the burnout. Now, the women that I work with, it's almost never the I'm not doing enough because (laughs) there's absolutely, you will absolutely also hit burnout if you aren't doing enough of the things that light you up.
0: Right. Yeah. Now,
1: partnered with that, what I more often see is one of the other two categories and one of them kind of goes hand in hand with that. And that is the one where you're not necessarily doing too much. You're doing the expected amount or the societally accepted amount. Like you are, and maybe you're even like trying to put in some self care to reset yourself or you're, you're again, checking the boxes, but you're still not doing enough of what lights you up. Mm -hmm. All the things that you're doing are based on someone else's expectations. And then the third category, you may be in pure alignment with the path that you're supposed to be on, or you might still be on that expectations, like roller coaster, but that category, you are actually doing too much. Like even in alignment, you are like the old saying of burning the candle at both ends. Like you need to chill out. You're not prioritizing self-care at all. Like that can lead to burnout just as readily as hey, I'm doing the things I am prioritizing self-care, but I'm not actually on the right path for me. Mm -hmm. So step one is figuring out which one of those it is. And when I say step one, like it's not exactly linear. Sometimes we get into the other stuff and then finally like, unravel which one it is. Because one of the other big things, I always start with mindset. Again, it's the foundation. It's normally not what brings people into me. Right. Because people, (laughs) people, and this is, this, you're human. You're like, okay, I just need to fix burnout. I just need clarity on the thing that I am meant to do. I just need the strategies. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I just need time management skills. Like there's something that they're like, this is what I need. And then it'll all be fixed. (laughs) No, it's, it's it's mindset. It really comes down to mindset. And so I have various different exercises that I take everyone through that, Really dive deep into like okay, what actually lights you up in ways that don't allow you to use, like fall into the shoulds pattern mm-hmm. or the expectations or like that is a a requirement when people do those particular exercises is you are not allowed to put anything that you catch yourself saying I should about. Mm. So we'll figure out what lights them up, and then hand in hand with that. So burnout is an interesting thing where. I find it's energy leaks. Most of the time, sometimes it is old. It's a lot of times it's a combination of patterns of achievement and productivity equal my worth. Therefore, um, guilting yourself into not taking the self care or moving those blocks. So it's a, that's where the mindset work comes into play. And then the other part is boundaries. If you don't have boundaries, you are setting yourself up for burnout because now you're allowing energy leaks in every single aspect of your life and you are not going to be able to focus on what is actually meant for you. You're simply not. And this could be as simple as having boundaries at work. This is an example that I use with clinicians all the time because clinicians are on your feet working with patients, but we do have to document. We have to sit at a computer and type everything up. And anyone who has ever had a desk job knows that when you are sitting, you are a sitting duck for anyone who wants to just chat Mm. and have a conversation and interrupt you. And so you have to build boundaries around that. And so one of the tools that I gave my clinicians and then now I give the women that I work with is coming forward to your coworkers with an object, pick whatever it is. It could be a kid's old toy that you found. It could be, I used a Rubik's cube. It could be whatever the Rubik's cube I had it set where like it it was solved. And so if the red side was out, like my coworkers knew, Hey, if red is out, it means I am unavailable for talking. Like, let me do my work and get it done. If yellow is out, it means, all right, like I am trying to get work done. But if it's like semi-important, if it's about a patient, yada, yada, like interrupt me. Green means I'm just killing time and letting my brain chill, like fair game. You could do the same thing with whatever. It could be your kid's troll doll that you're putting on your desk. You just know, make sure that your coworkers know, like, hey, this means do not disturb. Just like we have do not disturb on our phone, this means it in person. And the nice thing then is it takes away the guilt. So that when someone comes yeah. up and starts a conversation, rather than you having to awkwardly be like, ooh, I'm not available, and like interrupt them, which doesn't feel good for anyone who's even right. remotely a recovering people pleaser which is most of us <laughs> have at least yep. some of that tendency then we can just i i literally did this like it's no longer rude for you to just keep working and point at the object that you have already established the boundary with and that person's going to go oh my bad so sorry i'll come back later mm-hmm. without fail that started working and i was like this is genius because i actually accidentally did that like i just happened to have the room to keep on my desk one day with the red out and so my friend was like that i worked with was like wait is this like a stop sign <laughs> and it like a light bulb and I've taught everyone that tactic yeah. since, but that's just one example of how often do I, we let ourselves get sidetracked with the conversation and now we're scrambling to get our things done. And now we're irritated with our partner when we get home because we don't have time and it, like it just snowballs. It does. From something yeah. as simple as taking those five minutes to yourself to get shit done. hmm
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the nervous system because you touched on that with the, the somatic. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I really do think that, like, most of our issues, whether they are, like, manifest physically or they're spiritual or energetically, like, most of us do not downregulate our nervous system at all. Like, even when we're sleeping, we might be, you know, yeah. like, stressed out or we're eating right before bed so our body's working. Like, so what, like, how can we make it more of a priority to downregulate our nervous system because that is something that i feel like i know people would see even just more results in the gym like you know a lot of areas of their life where they're they're working so hard i'm putting that in air quotes but they're almost like they're working too hard like they're not giving themselves yeah. that adequate rest that you need yeah. so what what are some practices or tips that you could give for people who are just constantly in that, that fight or flight mode? Gosh, I just had
1: so much come in as far as like, oh, I could talk about this and this and this. And this, and this. <laughs> because this really is such a big thing. Like, I'll just give a quick example of, I mean, I have so many examples from my time as a clinician, even wow. how nervous system spikes drastically affected, negatively affected rehab and injury risk. Yeah. My fiance is a nutrition coach and he actually just had someone who has tried everything in the book has worked so hard on nutrition. You know, what worked for him to lose weight. Finally was my fiance saying, Hey, don't look at the scale for two weeks. Take yeah. that stressor off your plate.
0: Yeah. It
1: That's was like the first thing that I just gave him because he, he listened to the history. He was like, okay, you've tried all the things in the book and you're like, why are you checking scale every day? Okay. Let's stop that. Let's see what happens. And all of a sudden he starts dropping weight because we took a stressor out. Anyways, I say all of that to just give a quick example of how we don't even notice that our nervous system is playing such a big role. The tactics to try to get on top of it, honestly, a giant one is sleep. Yeah. Like the number of people, especially Americans and a lot of females who are like, oh no, I'm good off of five hours. <laughs> no you're not you just think you are because your body is regulated to it yeah you're but used to it <laughs> start, yeah and I will say because I was 100 that person and when I started first like it there'd be the occasional time that I actually would get eight hours and I would feel groggy afterwards I was like see it's a sign I yes. I, better off five I can agree
0: with that totally
1: <laughs> yeah until yeah, I don't I need that much sleep <laughs> myself again everything happened around age 30. I got slammed into a brick wall. I basically was forced to, like my system was so overloaded that it forced me to actually sleep the recommended number of hours. And that was what opened my eyes to, Oh, okay. I actually feel much better. And I function so much better. I just didn't realize it because I was so dysregulated before. And then my body, like, it was like, When you got that first eight hours the first time, the reason you feel groggy is because your system's like finally, and it tries to throw everything at you to regulate and slow you down, but you see that as wrong and different. And so you go back to your pattern.
0: Yeah. They're like, could we do that again? Maybe you could like sleep some more today. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I literally for 10 years of my life got up at 4am for three to four days out out of the week to teach fitness classes and just recently i don't have i don't have to do that anymore it's just me getting up to do my own workouts and so there are days where i'll still get up early not that early but i'll get up earlier there are days where i'll just let myself sleep no alarm and i actually wake up feeling rested for like the yep. first time in like 10 plus years and i'm like wow this is what it's supposed to feel like to have yeah full night's sleep and like, wake up feeling good. Like it's wild to yeah. me. That took me 10 years to figure this out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I want to say for anyone listening, waking up rested and waking up ready to go are two very different things <laughs> because I was the person, even on like the five hours of sleep, I would like shoot out of bed and like be go, 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 go. Yeah, that is actually a, a sign of a dysregulated nervous system. Yeah, because they're interestingly like, yeah,
0: <laughs> let's go. Yeah,
1: and now I still get out of bed, and I could, like, I am the energizer bunny in the morning. Like, yeah, sure, I could, but I, Same. I let myself be slow into my day. It is a rested versus a like, like rocket out of bed. Like, I don't even know. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. Now I recognize especially from being a clinician, because I I mentioned this earlier, one of the things that PTs are getting much better about harping on is sleep hygiene and better sleep. And one thing that I've learned over the decade of doing that in that world. And then now with what I do in mindset work is no one is really okay with increasing their quantity of sleep from the get go. (laughs) I wish hopefully someone who just listened to us maybe is willing to increase the quantity Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to give some other small tips on how to regulate your nervous system along with, I want to make a giant point that as much as I am not saying that I'm against like a Netflix night, but zoning out on Netflix, scrolling on Instagram, the things that we normally do in the name of regulating or giving ourselves a break and putting giant air quotes here actually keep us in dysregulation. So think of it like a ladder and the middle the top of the ladder is regulation. The middle of the ladder is like triggered response. The bottom of the ladder is the Netflix scrolling that just brain has shut off. Mm. If you are triggered, overwhelmed, something going on, dysregulated, like actually feeling dysregulated in that middle, if you scroll or do Netflix, you're actually moving down the ladder when you want to move up the ladder.
0: Mm. yeah.
1: So like zoning out, like, yes. And again, I'm
0: not calming down. Correct. Yeah. You actually keep
1: yourself in dysregulation. Now, if you pair it with a regulating tool, that's a little bit different, right? Like if you're regulated and you're zoning out on Netflix, like, again, I I watch an episode of suits basically every night at this point. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't chill and watch TV, but I am saying have your first tool be breath work, be a full body shake, be one of the somatic tools. And there are several, but the full body shake is probably one of my favorite ones. Hmm. We're the only mammals that don't naturally do this. Yeah. My dog, the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Your dog does. If you watch our planet at all, you've seen like the gazelle that just got attacked by a cheetah doing it. They it's a full body shake to release that energy versus humans for whatever reason we want to seem stoic it's not okay it's not acceptable so we keep it in and if if you haven't read body keeps the score i highly recommend it It that book goes way deep into this and just how detrimental it is for our nervous system and how it can lead to chronic pain in fact yeah, totally so full body shake i would even use it in between my patients and i still use it in between my clients right like we're dealing if you're dealing with humans you're dealing with energy. Yeah. Even if you have good energetic boundaries, it is really handy to just give yourself a quick shake in between to release whatever you might've taken on and then be all set and regulated for the next person that you're going to work with. The other one that I like, because I recognize that sometimes people are in situations where even if they see the value, if there are other people around that can see them, maybe they're not (laughs) willing to do the full body shake. So take a pause and think of like two things you see, two things you smell, two things you hear, two things you taste. If you can't come up with two, that's okay. But like, try to tune into the five senses, like just take a second, close your eyes, tune into your five senses that will drop you back into your body as well.
0: I love that. That's actually how I start every yoga practice I teach is we bring that sensory awareness to basically everything around us and then try to find an anchor of something that Calms us whether it's a sound or the ground or your breath. Um, I yeah. love everyone's going to be a little different on which sense they like. Rest yeah, to. but just yeah, yeah, giving them options. It's so funny because I've already, I've always felt grounded. In nature, like just being outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And I walk my dog every day in our neighborhood. And lately, I've been collecting leaves for just like this craft project I'm doing project I'm doing. And I've noticed when I'm finding the leaves, how much how relaxed I am, because I'm like bringing awareness Mm -hmm. to like, what's in front of me, and I'm picking them out, and I'm observing them. And like, it's just really interesting how I'm like, you know, normally, I'm just walking, or I'm listening to a podcast. Cause I'm trying to like, kind of get through it to just move on with my day. And you know, my dog, this is probably the best part of her day. Right. <laughs> so like, I should yeah. be more just intentional. Um, but just doing that simple thing of like picking out leaves, looking at them, it just brought me so much more presence mm-hmm. in the moment. And just that awareness of like, wow, I really don't, I mean, really how present are we? in most of our day, like without being intentional, (laughs) like at all. And I'm like someone that's like, you know, my goal is to be intentional about decisions I make and, you know, how I approach my day and just like in a productivity sense in a lot of ways, but like actually being intentional about like being present. It's harder. It's so much harder because of, you know, our, our phones and our dings and our laptops and Mm -hmm. the noise around us. Like it's, it, that alone is sensory overload for most people. So I love mm-hmm. these tips and tools that you gave us that are so easy. I mean, go into the bathroom and do your shake. If, if you feel weird <laughs> doing it around <laughs> your coworkers, right. Or like we all have negative.
1: I energy get a point. Honestly, <laughs> I'll tell anyone like I now, like, I don't care. Like I'll, I'll shake wherever because I promise you, no one's watching you nearly as much as you feel. I think about it. How often are you really paying that much attention to everyone else around you? Same goes for them to you. Yeah, But yeah, I, I use these tools myself all the time and yeah, like this kind of stuff, all these little tools, the exercises that I give people, I love it so much because it's, it seems so simple and yet it makes such profound differences in your life and in every area of your life, right? Like That was probably the biggest thing when I was just doing working with clinicians. And I did one of those Google form surveys at the end. And I, for whatever reason, put the question in there of like, because they were in there for their career. Mm -hmm. And I put the question of how has this impacted other areas of your life? And I would get novels back. And I was like, oh, okay, this is bigger. Yeah, this is bigger than your career. (laughs) Yeah, so much bigger. It is, it's. I, I feel like a broken record, but it's foundational. And yeah, I mean, that's the tools that I just gave are just like scratching the surface of what's possible and what's out there.
0: Right, exactly. Well, obviously having a growth mindset is huge for you. Like you said, you, know, you got your master's, you love learning, deep diving into information. How do you continue to grow personally and professionally? And what does that kind of look like for you in this kind of new chapter of your life too?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm laughing because I was actually just joking with a good friend the other day. Uh, and I looked at her and I was like, don't you wish you could go back sometimes? And she was like, huh? It's like, you mean like, I like back to before you were aware of, <laughs> yes. of the growth work. <laughs> <laughs> and she was sometimes. Like, oh God, yeah. And It's because it's forever. Like once you get into it, especially if anyone's listening and you're also like the two of us in that high achiever mentality. You start getting into this work and you're like, okay, cool. Am I done yet? Did I, did I, yeah, do the when thing do did I, I, did I- uh, <laughs>
0: achieve this? <laughs> That's the, the, the end, end way, game. You
1: don't. you don't, unless <laughs> you're <forever>. dead,
0: which. <laughs> yeah. Keep, and I keep learning. Your exactly. Whole <laughs> yeah. So
1: obviously continuing to grow, continuing to evolve, continuing to lean into my authenticity and I mean, part of my growth journey, honestly, is like, it's part of why I started the podcast. It's very much like my podcast is very come have a power, power walk with your girlfriends kind of vibe and like chat about growth and life and various insights, et cetera. And it's kind of cool. Like, I, I bet you're kind of similar in you continue to grow every single time you have a different guest on or you start riffing on a new topic that you're diving into that right there is kind of like your own self-coaching yep. platform, which yeah. is really neat. So I'm loving that. And then on top of it, I go through seasons, right? Like I think this is something else that I, I had a conversation with the other day. There are going to be seasons of your life of really diving more into growth and then diving into integration, which looks like not actively seeking out growth. And then within that, you're going to switch up what modalities work, like sound healing might work for a while, and then you're going to go into breath work is going to be more profound for you. And then, Mm -hmm. then the next healing tool, etc, etc. But for me, so I just finished a six month mentorship container with a coach, and I'm taking a little bit of a break, like I'm still like right now I'm going back into old things that I've done, like deep dive one on ones with various coaches, and I am going back and reviewing all of that and just to make sure like check in with myself. Am I still on the right path? Mm -hmm. Have I really integrated in this? Is there anything I forgot that I kind of like, let slip through the cracks that I need to revisit. And then I'm actually about to revisit at the end of every year. I revisit my perfect day exercise. Um, I can shoot you the link. It's a freebie on my page and it's a tool that as your North star. Mm -hmm. So it's an exercise where you write out in detail what your perfect day looks like. And then that's now your litmus test. If something that comes up gets you towards that and feels like a hell yes, then go for it. If something comes up and it doesn't fit that it's either a no or you need to reevaluate your perfect day. Yeah. Like if you look at your perfect day and you're like, yeah, no, that still hits. Okay. It's a no. If it's like, Ooh, maybe this doesn't fit anymore. Okay. Revisit it and then decide on the thing. So those are probably the biggest things. And then I feel like next year I really feel like I'll, I'll get a money mindset coach because admittedly, right? Like we're all constantly growing. My current block is around money mindset. It's the one area that I don't have a true consistent growth mindset currently. Mm -hmm. So that'll be whether it's a one-on-one coach or program, nothing's felt intuitively right at this time, but I know that that's like the next thing for me to dive deep
0: into. I love that. I can attest to needing that as well. Like just coming out of a really hard season for my business. I'm like kind of, yeah, starting over with my foundation, like I said, in the last year and I've changed a lot. I've done a lot of inner work and now it's like, okay, now I'm ready for upgrades. I'm ready for that next level. And I think for me, like the money mindset is going to be a huge piece of that too. So I agree with the podcast being a form of growth though as well, because I started this podcast little over a year ago when I was making all of those changes. So I felt like I was actually able to like take my listeners on the journey through it and, you mm-hmm. know, do solo episodes on like what I was experiencing, you know, what my decisions were that I was making, why I was making them. And it's kind of like that self-coaching of like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is me verbalizing what I'm experiencing and learning about myself along the way. So I think it's, it's just a fun I love podcasting. It's one of my favorite things that I do. So it's just a fun way to get to know yourself more. And like you said, bring on awesome guests like yourself um, to meet and network with. So I'm curious, you kind of hinted at it, but what is next for you? Um, What's next on your life list? I know you're getting married. That's so exciting. Um, Personal or professional?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a few things. So the wedding's not until like the end of next year. I honestly haven't even started planning other than picking out the (laughs) photographer. You got time. (laughs) We are finishing up um, hopefully in December. It's we're both of us are focusing on business stuff right now, but in December we're planning on finishing out my shuttle bus build so we Mm -hmm. can take off and be able to work from wherever and hopefully have it parked somewhere where I can snowboard on a regular basis for the winter. And then from the professional side of things, I I kind of alluded to this earlier. So I have my one-on-ones. I'm loving those. I have a couple more spots actually for like the rest of the year. So people can get a launch pad into 2024 if anyone is interested. And then my plan actually before even jumping on this call, I just wrote out like all the little mini like self-paced courses that I want to create that to target so to target the people that want to be able to dip their toes in, right? Like mm-hmm. even my one-on-ones, they're not thousand dollar plus things. So right now I want to give, like I I intend to be able to support the people who don't want to drop thousands of dollars on a six month right. container kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I recognize that there are people who are just starting to get curious about these things and maybe don't even want to drop a couple hundred dollars. So I want to give something and create something for someone who's just like, I just want to learn about how to build better boundaries, or I just want to learn about nervous system regulation. You'll Mm -hmm. get all of that in the bigger things, but I want to give like the little bite-sized self-paced. I don't want the accountability. I just want the info. Yeah. So that is like the next thing that I'm creating along with, um, I also run journal workshops. Cool. And It's been so fun to bring those into retreats, masterminds, corporations, that kind of stuff as to a way to bring in mindfulness and teach people how to journal better is what's coming to mind. But by better, I just mean being consistent with it and not starting a journal and then tossing it into your journal graveyard that you have in the dark corner of your house (laughs) and how to actually make it work for you. Um, So yeah, looking to bring those into any groups in 2024. So yeah, I, I know that was, a, that was a lot of answers. So the shuttle bus, one, more 180s for the rest of the year, and then
0: looking forward to creating mini courses and more journal workshops. So fun. Well, your shuttle bus sounds amazing. And I love that concept of just like freedom, like freedom to work wherever you want, to travel, to... I love your day to day, you know, like living your ideal day. Like, why not? Why else are we here (laughs) if it's not to discover Mm -hmm. like what our our real purpose is? So if you ever make a stop in Wisconsin, let me know, (laughs) you know, lots of snow here. (laughs) Um, My final and favorite question is what drives your soul today and what do you get up for each morning?
1: Oh, I love that question so much. Okay. Um, honestly, so the first thing that comes to mind is my core values. Mm. And this is another one. Like I dive into this with a lot of my clients because it's so important to know, truly know what are your core values. Um, I did a whole podcast episode actually on how if your core values conflict with those of your environment or your employer, like y- you need to make a change. Yeah. Because it's going to create conflict. Anyways, so my core values are community, compassion, and joy.
0: Mm, So
1: that's what I focus on every single day. If I had to pick one, it's probably joy, mostly because community and compassion bring me joy. So if I had to pick one that's kind of like the umbrella term, it would be that. And that's the big thing for me right now. Every single day, I'm like, where can I find joy in the mundane, in the minute things, in the Mm -hmm. day-to-day? Because Kind of like you just said, if you if you weren't doing that, like what what are we doing?
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, just joy seeking. I just read that book, Joy Joy Hunter, Joy Seeker. Have you heard of this book? Ooh, I, I think I, you I, like I, it. No. Okay, I I'll have to check that. out. Joy Seeker. Yeah, I just finished it. We'll after like and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, awesome. that's,
1: it circles back to what I mentioned on like my biggest why, right? Is so that people. Don't get to end of life with that regret of, I wish I lived life for myself and not others. That is, that is joy, right? That is someone saying, I didn't live life for myself. I didn't live life full of joy. What brought me joy? Yeah, that is my driver. That is my why. And that is what I look for every single day.
0: I love that. And we all could use more of that and just intentional being intentional about finding that joy in every day, whether it's an exciting day or, you know, same old, same old. Um, Yeah. I think that's like the balance is figure, you know, finding joy in the, the, in between and the things that we Mm -hmm. love and the things that we don't maybe love, but still trying to find those silver linings. So, well, I love this conversation and tell our listeners where they can follow you or find out more about you and what you offer. Yeah. So if you are on Instagram, that is
1: honestly the easiest. I'm super active on there. All of my links are on there. And that is move on the daily daily is spelled like my last name. So it's D A L E Y. Um, that's when I get married, I probably won't change my last name because it's way too handy from a business perspective and, and puns, which who doesn't love a good pun? <laughs> yeah. So yeah move on the daily on Instagram. And then my podcast is also linked on there, but it is human on the daily also spelled like my last name. And yeah, the Instagram has links for my journal, my website. Um, but if you don't have Instagram move on the daily.com and you can hit up the contact form on there. It is always me replying. I don't have a team. It is just me. So yeah, I would love to chat.
0: Well, thank you, Megan. And until next time, keep following what drives your soul. One of my favorite places to shop for all of my workout needs is Willow and Grace Boutique. They have everything from the coziest Lululemon joggers to the cutest oversized sweatshirts, backpacks, scrunchies, jewelry, some amazing gifts that you can purchase for others, and literally everything in between. If you need something to up-level your wardrobe for your workouts or you're looking for great gifts, go check them out inside of Misty's Dance Unlimited in Onalaska. Alaska. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it out with someone else who needs to hear this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you know when new episodes drop. And until next time, be sure to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul.